Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 218. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news, views and reviews. Thanks for listening and thanks for downloading. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, just how much time do we spend on the internet? Samsung partners with Woolworths so you can shop from your fridge. And which were the most watched NRL and AFL teams on Telstra's live streams. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at Panasonic's 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray disc player and the Apple Watch Series 2. In the Tech Guide interview, we're also going to hear from GoPro Senior Media Manager Chris Kinman, and we're going to wrap things up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. Plenty to talk about, so let's get started. Well, we do have a love affair with the internet that is pretty obvious, but the NBN has done some amazing research. They've come up with the Broadband Index, and this was a study that surveyed 10,348 Australians across metropolitan, regional, and remote areas, and included uh, some NBN uh, customers and also some non NBN customers, and the findings were were pretty uh, were pretty interesting. Now it's obvious that we are all spending more time on the internet, but how much more? Uh, this this I found really amazing. This year, Australians are going to spend an additional twenty two more days on the internet than we did just two years ago. That's remarkable. Twenty two more days than just two years ago. That is incredible. Now, the the internet, of course, has become the default way for many of us to communicate. It, it's, it's become an essential tool for, for working, for living. We're, we're, we're connecting to the internet in a variety of places as well, not, not just at work uh, and, and in our offices, but the first first thing when we wake up in the morning. 73% of us connect to the internet when we're watching TV. 63% the, connecting to the internet is the last thing they do before they go to bed. 10% use it in the backyard or when they're gardening. 28% uh, use it during the night if they happen to wake up. 28%. 33% have admitted to using it in the bathroom or on the toilet. I've, plenty of people have done that. 32% use the internet when they're eating meals. And 34% use it in the kitchen while they're cooking. That just goes to show that's where those 22 extra days per year are being spent. And it's interesting the breakup of who uses what. Depending on your age, of course, the, these things, these differ. Now, in terms of communicating and messaging, if you're 
uh, eighteen to twenty-four year old, you're you're connecting through social media. If you're a, a Gen X or a baby boomer, then you're 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 on email. That's the most popular form. Gen Z, they mainly use instant messaging platforms like FaceTime and Snapchat and WhatsApp to communicate. But yet half of all users are still using have services in common like Skype and FaceTime as well. Now, in terms of, of, of satisfaction, this was an interesting study between NBN customers and non-NBN customers, and they found that there were a lot there was a lot more satisfaction if you were using the NBN in terms of speed, in terms of reliability. Twenty eight percent of NBN users were more satisfied with their upload speeds, twenty nine percent more satisfied with their download speeds, twenty six percent more satisfied with their services reliability. And the, the 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 NBN hasn't reached all of us yet. By twenty twenty, the rollout will be completed. That's just that's just four years away. But uh, the the ten things that each generation does online, this is really interesting. Like if you're a Gen Z, uh, we we mentioned the fact that you you like the social media. Buying from an online retailer and using online banking are the top three users. Uses Gen Y social media, paying bills, email, or you looking at an online calendar. A Gen Xer, uh, emailing or online calendars, paying bills, using online banking. Builders and boomers, the baby boomers, emailing, researching travel. Or emailing family members or friends. So you can see just that little snapshot, and there's more of them at techguide.com.au. But that little snapshot just shows not only how often we use the internet, but also how how we are using the internet as well. If you want to check out all those details, you can do that at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Well, Samsung and Woolworths have formed a partnership, and from this partnership, it's going to become possible. It's going to be a reality that you'll be able to do your grocery shopping standing at your fridge. And the fridge in particular is Samsung's new family hub. This is a brand new connected refrigerator. It's got a 21.5-inch LCD screen and obviously a connection to the internet, but on board, you'll be able to install the Woolworths app. And with this partnership, that app will allow customers to create a shopping list which can be viewed on the fridge's large screen or if you're on a compatible mobile device so you don't have to be standing at the fridge to do it. But then when, you, when you're ready, when you've, when you've looked at your shopping list, you can then make your orders and go ahead and place that order right from the fridge, right through the Woolworths app on the Family Hub screen and you'll be able to then have your groceries delivered at home. The Woolworths app's going to go live from October. The Samsung Family Hub refrigerator is available now. It's priced at $7,499, and you're not just paying for a fancy LCD screen. This is a four-door fridge, 671-litre capacity. It is huge. It's got an ice maker, a chilled water dispenser, and various zones on the fridge, including the bottom right-hand zone, which you can choose between to be either a fridge or a freezer. That's called the flex zone. So it can be fridge 
or freezer mode, depending on your needs. There may be one week where you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of meat or something to keep frozen. You can just transform that section of the fridge into an additional part, additional freezer. So it's it's not just the bells and whistles that you're paying for here. This is a, a fridge with lots of tech behind it, apart from the from the display screen. But it also has these other features, including triple cooling systems, so you can maintain even temperatures throughout the free refrigerator. But just on that screen, I'm sure a lot of you keep photos, keep uh, little sticky notes and reminders to people. Well, you can do all that on the screen. There, there's ways you can check each other's calendars, uh, make make different. If, if you want to see if, if family members are free for for a gathering, you can you can see everyone's calendars. You can leave messages to people. You can rotate digital images on that screen as well. And because it's connected to the internet, you can even listen to Pandora, tune in radio, Radio while you're there, even surf the web, find out the weather. The fridge door would be a good spot to maybe to look up recipes while you're in the kitchen. You can use that big screen to follow uh, recipes while you're cooking. So plenty of uses for it, and it is it is a a, a, a high traffic area of the home, in the kitchen, especially in the morning and in the evening when when everyone's up and having breakfast, and or in the evening having dinner and just milling about. So it, it is a real central part of the house where the display can be. You, you can make plenty of use of it with those notes or displays, calendars, uh, whatever whatever you like. So uh, it, it is it is the uh, the fridge of the future. But here's the coolest part. Inside the fridge are three cameras, and every time you open and close the door, it takes a photo. So what, what, what's the use of that, you may ask? Well, have you ever been down at the shops and wondered, do I need to buy milk? Is there any fruit left? How many eggs do I have? Well, with the Samsung Family Hub, you can actually, from your mobile device, log into the fridge and check out the last picture taken inside the fridge. So you can then see, you can count how many eggs you have left. You can see the level of milk in the bottle in the fridge. You can see everything everything else in the fridge that you may need to check on before you go home from the shops. How many times have you bought something realizing you'd already bought it the day before? That this this is a this is where waste comes in. Then if if that happens, uh, you can even check expiry dates, uh, leave reminders on the fridge so that you can display one of those photos from inside the fridge and label all the food that you see in the image with expiry dates, so that you get reminders that none of your food's going to go off uh, before you eat it. So that uh, it does help cutting down that food waste and just that added convenience. The Samsung Family Hub, priced at seven thousand four hundred and ninety nine dollars. The model is the SRF670HB. That's the model number of the Family Hub for refrigerator. And that Woolworths app goes live in October so you can do your grocery shopping in the kitchen. If you want to read more about that story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Well, it is grand final week in the NRL and the AFL. In the AFL, we've got the mighty Sydney Swans taking on the Western Bulldogs. And in the NRL Grand Final, we have the Melbourne Storm taking on the Cronulla Sharks. Cronulla Sharks have been in two Grand Finals before, but have never won a Premiership. So they are definitely going to be the sentimental favourites. But uh, with the end of the regular season, Telstra revealed some interesting information about their live streaming of the AFL and NRL season. 
reasons. If you're a Telstra customer, you know that, that you get a free choice, whether it's AFL or NRL season pass, so you can stream games live throughout the season, data-free, so you will never miss a moment. Now, with all, all the stats of all those streams throughout the seasons, Telstra have compiled them with some interesting information so we can see things like the most watched games, the most watched plays, the most popular teams in each code as well. So in the AFL, the most watched play of 2016 was the Hawthorne v St Kilda Anzac weekend match. 267,000 live streams. Most popular game of 2016 was the Fremantle v Carlton match. Uh, that had a unique audience of 56,153 and the maximum concurrent audience of 27,655. Most popular team in the AFL, Carlton. Average unique audience of 34,000 per match. Now, the game we couldn't stop watching was the Carlton v Geelong match, and that had 2.14 million minutes watched, averaging 43.1 minutes per unique audience member. Fastest growing teams of 2016, that would be the Greater Western Sydney Giants, Carlton, Sydney Swans. Greater Western Sydney had an average unique audience of 33,000 per match. Carlton, average unique audience, 34,000 per match. Sydney Swans, average unique audience, 30,000 per match. Now, over at the NRL, some also some interesting stats to look at there. The most watched play of 2016 was the Cronulla v Titans match, 29,000 concurrent users. It was a golden point match, so that meant it was a tie at full time and they played golden point extra time, uh, and that had 29,000 users. Most popular game of 2016 was that same match, Sharks v Titans, 59,000 unique viewers, 29,000 concurrent users. And the most popular team happens to be one of our NRL grand finalists. It's the Cronulla Sharks. They, in fact, played in three of the top five games of the year based on the Digital Pass audience. Uh, the game that Australia couldn't stop watching was the battle for the minor premiership, the Cronulla Sharks versus the uh, the Storm, sorry, Melbourne Storm versus the Cowboys, had 1.8 million minutes watched, 35.9 minutes per unique audience member. Fastest growing teams of 2016, the Cronulla Sharks, the Canberra Raiders and the Gold Coast Titans. Total hours streamed on the NRL Live app, Two million and ninety one thousand six hundred and sixty three. There it is. The the stats from the uh, NRL and AFL seasons on the live streams. And if you're a Telstra customer, you probably appreciate that part of your package that gives you free access to the, either the AFL or the NRL seasons. If you want to see those stats for yourself, you can check it out at TechGuide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. While public Wi-Fi at airports, hotels and cafes is convenient, it's not always safe. 
Did you know that accessing the web using public Wi-Fi can expose your most sensitive information, things like passwords, photos and credit card details, to hackers and identity thieves? Norton Wi-Fi privacy helps encrypt your information when you're online, so it can't be intercepted by prying eyes. So whether you're worried about hackers stealing your passwords or companies tracking your online activity, keep your personal information protected with the new Norton Wi-Fi privacy app. To learn more, visit au.norton.com or search for Norton Wi-Fi Privacy on the App Store or Google Play Store. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennig. Tech Guide. Our first review this week is the Panasonic DMP-UB900, otherwise known as their 4K ultra-high-definition Blu-ray disc player. Now, we put this device through its paces uh, in a couple of ways. We connected it to a 4K projector, a Sony 4K projector, and also to Panasonic's latest 4K HDR 65-inch LED TV. Now, this isn't the only 4K player on the market. Samsung hit the market uh, first with the K8500, and that's priced at $599. A decent player, but the Panasonic is priced at $1,099, the UB900, $1,099, but it offers lots of additional features as well as, in our opinion, better quality to enjoy your 4K movies on your 4K display. So the with the growing number of 4K movies appearing in, in stores, both new releases and, and, and past blockbusters, is there's never been a better time to invest in a 4K player. And in our opinion, the Panasonic, the DMP UB900, is the best we've seen. On the design front, it has the flip-down panel. A lot of Panasonic players have that, where the, the panel is uh, a, like a, there's a see-through part of the panel where the display shines through. When you eject a disc, the panel pops down and then pops back up again when it slides into the player. There are not one, but two HDMI ports on the back of the of this device. Why that is, I'll get to in a moment. But there's also an Ethernet connection, so you can connect not only to get your firmware updates, but also if you want to watch uh, Netflix or connect to your other content on your DLNA devices in your home, like your NAS drive and other, other attached devices. Now, the setup of the Panasonic player requires a few things. And by that, I mean you need... First of all, of course, a 4K TV, a 4K projector. We tried both. We got a Sony 4K projector and we tried Panasonic's latest 4K HDR 65-inch LED TV. Now, what you also need is a high-speed cable, which comes with the Panasonic player. You need like 18 megabits per second capable uh, HDMI cable. But all of these devices need to be HDCP 2.2 compliant. Now, we've spoken about this in the past, and most 4K, recent 4K products like TVs, like projectors, like receivers, are all have all have the HDCP 2.2 compliance. And it isn't something that you just upgrade the firmware. It is a hardware requirement. It's in place. HDCP stands for High Band Digital Copy Protection. It was invented by Intel to prevent illegal copying of 4K material. Now, the point of that is that if, if any of the products in your chain, if you like, so from your player to the 
to the HDMI cable, to the receiver, if you're not using a receiver, to the television. They all need to be HDC 2.2 compliant for you to watch 4K content. If if one of them isn't, then it'll be downgraded. The signal will be downgraded to full high definition. But you didn't buy a 4K player and a 4K TV to watch full HD. You want to watch 4K. So be sure you got a HDC 2.2 compliance on the TV. It's normally the first HDMI port on our receiver. We've got a JBL SDP45 receiver. Would you believe it's input 8 and output 2 on the receiver? So you had to do a little, had to do a little bit of jiggling with the cables to make sure we had the, that was the path that the receiver allowed for that 4K pass-through. But... If you have a receiver in your home theater and it's not HDCP 2.2 compliant, it's not the end of the world. Remember those two HDMI ports I was telling you about? This is the reason. One of those HDMI ports outputs is video and audio. So you, if you've got a 4K compliant HDCP 2.2 chain from start to finish, then you'll connect your TV to your receiver or directly to your player and that will work through the video slash audio input output. Now, if your receiver, if you've got a home theater set up and the receiver's not compliant, but your display is, you can bypass the receiver using the secondary HDMI output. One of those HDMI outputs is for audio only. And because HDCP is a video compliance, you can still steer your audio through the receiver. So in this scenario, you'd connect the second HDMI output, the audio output, to the input on your receiver, and then you'd connect directly your player to the display device. So it will then, if the signal goes straight from the player to the device, if the receiver is not HDCP 2.2 compliant, you can bypass it straight to the display device, which is, and that will get you your 4K while the receiver handles the audio. So in this scenario, we tried both. We we did a we put it through a receiver and on a projector, although the projector was non-HDR, so not high dynamic range, still looked incredible, as well as on that Panasonic TV HDR 4K, the latest TV looked immaculate. So the the for our for our testing we watched several 4K movies as you'd imagine and the results were quite simply stunning incredible quality with 4K discs it's also backwards compatible so it can play blu-ray discs and DVDs and has a tremendous upscaling as well of blu-ray discs can upscale blu-ray like you're watching 4K remarkable DVD upscaling not so hot but still you can see an improvement in the quality now watching a non HDR through our Sony 4K projector uh, it was a stunning image, especially projected on, in, on a 150-inch screen. Uh, the quality was obvious. Uh, detail, color accuracy, depth of the image blew us away. Remarkable. Then we had a look at it on the HDR 4K 65-inch TV from Panasonic, and it was even better. R- unbelievable picture quality, the best movie quality you'd see outside of a cinema. And this is all thanks to onboard. They've got a 4K high precision chroma processor as well as THX certification to deliver not only prime, like top quality video, but also excellent audio as well. Uh, the upscaler uses the same technology and it was terrific. Now, the setup of the t- is pretty. 
it's it's pretty easy to set it up if you if you sort of choose the automatic settings in in the uh, on the 4K player automatic then makes the the 4K player detect what's available and provide the best option so if you uh, want to set the audio settings video settings it can do it you can dig into it if you like and even in, enhance the quality in certain areas but usually automatic was the way to go and we did see the results now a lot of people are saying, well, I can watch 4K on Netflix. Why should I invest in a player and buy movies? Well, that's a very good question, and I'll tell you why. If you are a true cinephile who's, a re- who's invested in a good home theater system, a, a nice television, and you've got some favorite movies you want to watch in the highest quality, then nothing can beat 4K Ultra HD disc. The playback bitrate is up to 100 megabits per second. Well, the best we got was about 94, 95 megabits per second. We were watching Star Trek Into Darkness on 4K disc, and the quality was remarkable. Now, the best quality that Netflix can do is about 15 megabits per second, but that is only achievable if your home broadband connection can have has download speeds of at least 25 megabits per second. Not everyone has that. So what it's going to do, it's going to downgrade the quality of that and even put you back to full HD quality if you don't have the broadband speed. But with the, for Panasonic Player, watching it off a disc, that quality is assured every single time, no matter how fast your broadband connection is. It's a repeatable experience that doesn't rely on internet speed or any other factors, which is why, in our opinion, I'd rather watch it off a disc than off Netflix because you can see the quality. The the bit rate, higher bit rate obviously is better picture quality. So there's more information hitting your screen than lower bit rate quality. Lower bit rate quality is what you get for Netflix. For some people, that's fine. And that, that's their business. That's terrific. Others who demand more, who who like better quality, can go for the 4K player and the 4K discs. The the Panasonic 4K player, it's $1,099. And look, if you've spent some big money on your system, it's like buying a Ferrari and putting cheap tires on it. If you've got a good home theater system, don't skimp on the playback of the movies because you're going to see the quality on the screen. So you might as well pay a little bit extra. That's my opinion. A lot of people uh, that they may choose for uh, the Xbox One S. That's got a 4K player. It's 500 bucks. Or the Samsung player. That's their prerogative. But in our opinion, we've tried the Samsung player and the Panasonic player. The Panasonic player we think is clearly the winner. Priced at $1,099, and if you want to read our complete review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Next up on the show, our next review is the Apple Watch Series 2. Uh, we've been uh, playing with this for a couple of weeks now, and it is it. While it doesn't look any different, it uh, it looks exactly the same from the outside. So it's got the same size screen, same shape, same design, same digital crown, same buttons, same bands. Although there are some different color bands and styles available, essentially the watch looks and feels the same. But under the hood is where all where all the improvements have been made. For a start, the Apple Watch Series Two is now water resistant. It's it, it's, it can go to a depth of fifty meters, so you can swim with it both in the in a pool and in the ocean. The other improvement is the fact that it's got built-in GPS. 
So rather than it piggybacking off your phone, off your iPhone, like the original Apple Watch needed to do, if you're like on a run or anything, uh, this can now handle GPS on its own. Now, when you when you think back to when Apple released the Apple Watch, and it's two years ago now, so two years old is the design is, and the original watch wasn't water resistant, didn't have built-in GPS, uh, didn't have as fast a processor on board. Uh, the, the Apple Watch Series Two is twice as fast as the original Apple Watch. But when you when you look at that, the original Apple Watch, a lot of people were interested, but those who really were looking for something that's an all-round device, not just a great smartwatch, but also a training watch, they may have held back. They, I think they resisted the original Apple Watch because it didn't have that water resistance, didn't have that built-in GPS. So now with the launch of the Apple Watch Series 2, I think a lot of those customers are now coming to the table. Uh, and and we, we gave it a test run. We, we didn't take for a swim, but we did dunk it underwater we're under the tap in the shower with it and the the it does allow for you to do to swim it's even added in the workout app as the swimming section so that you can uh, there are options for your pool swims and open water swims so if you're in a pool for example you can set the length of the pool uh, and and then it, it in the water and and this is what how what we found and what the Apple watch itself says that the screen isn't very responsive underwater uh, but the digital crown and the buttons work so that you can if you need to check out uh, how you're traveling or uh, you can press both the uh, digital crown and the side button to pause or resume your workout they will work gps in open water is limited the accelerometer though because the you know, the movement of your watch will work out all your calories burned and things like that uh, having it in the water too may affect the accuracy of the heart rate monitor that that was on the original apple watch and it's also back here as well with series two but the accuracy in water isn't as accurate of course as it being out of the water and completely dry so it does add that uh, ability to track your swim and perhaps your calories as well a lot better of course than the first apple watch did uh, the built-in gps also helps for those who want to go for a run without having to lug their iPhone. So now you can, and this is this was possible with the first watch, you can you could, uh, not the GPS, but the, what I'm about to say, you could, on the first Apple Watch, load music and connect a Bluetooth pair of headphones. So if GPS wasn't important to you, you can go for your run and hear your music and, and the timer and everything's working on the watch, your workout app, you could do that already. But if you're using um, a third-party app or uh, even the apps on the Apple Watch to track your information and to map your run. You you needed previously you needed your watch to do that because your phone to do that because it would provide the GPS. Now you don't need that. So if you want to track your GPS, you want to and GPS not only gives you a map of your run, but because it's GPS, it gives you accurate speed and distance travel pace. All that information is given to you through your GPS. So you can get all of that and listening music, connect wireless headphones, all without having to carry your iPhone. Now, uh, the Apple Watch has plenty of apps, had had it from the get-go. Watch OS 3 is another cool feature of Apple Watch Series 2. It will also work on Apple original Apple Watch. But this has really added another dimension 
to the watch, not only in terms of features, but in terms of performance. Now there's a dock on the Apple Watch so that your favorite apps can be running in the background. So when you need to call on them, they're updated and ready to go rather than seeing a little windy circle waiting for the phone to get its act together and send it to the watch. That's not the case now with Watch OS 3. And with the added speed of Apple Watch Series 2, you're getting even better performance on top of that. And of course, you get all your notifications uh, and you get your calls that are coming in. You can answer them, reject them, messages. So I find that I take my phone out of my my pocket less often because I can see who's calling, see who's messaging and generally see what's happening, what emails I'm receiving right there on my wrist. Now, one last feature I want to talk about before we go is the the enhanced messaging. And this is just with Watch OS 3, not just with Apple Watch Series 2. The one thing we liked about the news, the messaging now is that before there were, if you received a message and you wanted to type out something a bit longer, you have to get out the phone, iPhone, and type it on the keyboard. Uh, unless you wanted to use one of the pre-prepared answers like, you know, thanks, okay, uh, catch you later, whatever, whatever there was the prepared answers, you can just click on one of those and, and be done with it. Well, now there's a new feature called Scribble. And what that allows you to do is to write out your reply a letter at a time. So if you want to write out a sentence, it's really easy. You can just write one letter after the other really quickly on this little scribble space on the screen, and it will then translate that to text so that you can uh, you can then write a little sentence without having to get at your phone and even use a keyboard. Really cool feature called Scribble. If you've got a watch, Apple Watch, I highly recommend you update to Watch OS 3 and give that feature a try. Uh, the Apple Watch Series 2 is priced from $529. There is still Apple Watch uh, Series 1, they're calling it now, which has the enhanced processor but doesn't have waterproof and built-in GPS. That's uh, You need to have the Apple Watch Series 2 for that. And it is priced, as I said, $529. And if you want to read our complete review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide now. Tech Guide interview. Tech Guide. Now, you can recall last week we spoke about the new GoPro announcements, two new cameras, the GoPro Hero 5 Black and the Hero 5 Session. As well as that, they also announced a new, a new drone, and it's called Karma. Now, the drone can fit in a GoPro camera, of course, but the whole front nose of the drone actually can be detached and used as a, as a, a steady grip so that you can shoot or still really uh, stabilize videos uh, when it's not being used with the drone. The drone also comes with a remote control with its own screen, uh, as well as a backpack case uh, that, that, fits, that, that allows you to fold down the drone and fit nicely inside it. Well, we caught up with Chris Kinman, who's the GoPro Senior Media Manager, to tell us a little bit more about it. And here's what he had to say when we caught up with him. Well, thanks for joining me. Once again, uh, the GoPros have gone to another level, and uh, not only literally another level with a, with a drone as well as some new cameras. Tell us about... First, let's start with the cameras. Okay. They've improved uh, already. No, no more housing. They're waterproof as they are. You've really improved the outer side. Yeah, we think so, and we, you know, there was a couple things that we aimed to do with these camera lines, uh, this this new line. Um, a is to simplify the line um, overall. Uh, there was a lot of cameras in the marketplace that had GoPro on the name on it, and uh, 
I think people might have been confused as to which was right for them. And with the current camera line, which is three cameras, all three of them now are waterproof without a housing, that uh, they absolutely know which one will be the one for them because they all have significant uh, upgrades depending on the price point. Mm -hmm. So beyond that, I think with uh, new options like voice control and uh, image stabilization, you're really getting uh, even better quality shot from something that was already shooting incredible, mm -hmm. incredibly good footage. And we're talking 4K quality out of these things now, aren't we? Yes, absolutely, including the Hero 5 Session, which is mm -hmm. the small cube-shaped yeah. camera. That also is shooting 4K now. And uh, you add an electronic image stabilization to mm -hmm. that. Uh, and, and voice control. And voice control. Then you know you've got an incredibly convenient package that shoots a pretty mm -hmm. pretty powerful so product. Now you can say GoPro start video, GoPro stop. GoPro so stop video. You can change your modes. Mm -hmm. uh, you can say GoPro shoot a burst. You just talk to it and yeah. it'll do it. And uh, right now, um, handy if you're scream, screaming down a mountain at 60 kilometers an hour, they'll yeah, be yeah. able to talk to it instead of having to fiddle around with it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you, uh, you you know what, your hands might be full, yes. and uh, you might still be inclined to ch uh, make sure that GoPro is getting whatever you're absolutely. you're trying to do. And and it's it's. Um, going to recognize seven languages and then multiple dialects in, in those languages as well. Including Australian. Including so Australian. So going to be okay? Yeah, absolutely. There's, <laughs> you know, we all speak a little bit the same language differently. So. Definitely. Well, the big news for me, I think, is the Karma. Now, this is your GoPro's first drone. Yes. And I, I like how you describe it as a, it's just another, it's another accessory for the camera. Absolutely. Is that, is that how you describe it? Yes. Um, it, it doesn't uh, live exclusively from mm -hmm. the rest of the line or the, ca or the camera itself. Mm -hmm. It's very much taking the camera to the next level, as you mm -hmm. mentioned. Literally, to, to new heights. To new heights. <laughs> but uh, it isn't just about the flying robot. It's actually a stabilization system. This is mm -hmm. something that when you purchase this product... It is allowing you to get a mechanically stabilized shot no matter what you're doing. Whether you are flying a camera in the mm -hmm. air or you're mounting a camera or you're just running around with a camera in your hand, yeah. all of those shots now can be smoothed out with a three-axis gimbal. Wow. And so uh, when Nick Woodman, our CEO, said that Karma will be much more than a drone. It literally is that. It wasn't yeah. a euphemism by any means. It is actually a stabilization system, yep. and it all comes together in one yeah. backpack. So and what I like about it, it is, well, there's the drone, the controller, the stabilization, and the packaging is the backpack. Yes, so absolutely. So it's all in one. There's it's nothing more one. you need. There's nothing more you need. You mentioned the controller. The controller mm -hmm. has its own touch backlit LCD yeah. screen. It's super viewable in, in, in bright light and in flat light. And, uh, you know, there's no need for other hardware mm -hmm. to make it yeah. work and Pluto do it what you need it to do. No, no using your phone or your tablet and pairing them up and... and Get, God forbid you get a phone call halfway through it and okay so the, the screen is part of the controller the screen is part of the controller it folds down like a clamshell so it's very small and compact there's no uh, protruding antennas 
and it's a very simplistic controller. Mm-hmm. You're just dealing with something that really feels video game-like. Yes, I was going to say that. If you've, if you've played Xbox or PlayStation, you're good to go. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We, we really wanted to take... Uh, the intimidation out of uh, mm-hmm. a relatively uh, yeah, young true. market, yep. and yes, where we we may not be the first to the drone market, as yep. they say, but we wanted to make something that is perhaps considered niche right now, mm-hmm. and make it accessible and uh, fun for everyone. I like how the cameras uh, and and the and the gimbal is at the front of the of the drone, so nothing gets in the way. There's no mm-hmm. propellers, shadows. It's clear shots all the way. Absolutely. And stabilized as well. And stabilized. There, yeah, there's a couple reasons and, and a couple benefits to having the uh, stabilizer up front. The camera's up front and protruding. So like you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, propellers and shadows are not in your shot. But as well, it's taking the camera from underneath where a lot of drones are and bringing it up front, which allows you to have foldable legs and a yes. far more low-profile mm. uh, bird. Yeah. So you're you get something that's a more compact, yep. b foldable, and can be carried where you need it to yeah. go. Because I mean that's part of the problem Absolutely. with UAVs out there mm-hmm. is that they're not exactly convenient. Mm-hmm. And so if we can make it convenient uh, by putting the the camera and the stabilizer up front, then all the better. Well. I uh, look forward to taking to the skies and trying it out for myself. Uh, congratulations and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. And you can get the fastest speeds available with the new Netgear Nighthawk X8 AC5300 smart Wi-Fi router. With speeds of up to 5.3 gigabits per second and tri-band Wi-Fi, you can deliver more Wi-Fi to more devices in your home. The Netgear Nighthawk X8 has four external active antennas plus four internal antennas which help amplify the Wi-Fi range. Smart Connect intelligently selects the fastest Wi-Fi band for every device and with ReadyCloud USB access, you can secure personal access to USB storage from anywhere. The Nighthawk X8, it's the next wave in Wi-Fi. To learn more, head over to netgear.com.au. Tech now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. On this week's Tech Guide Help Desk, I thought we'd talk about universal remotes. Now, there's a lot of people, I've had a lot of emails from people who have said, look, I've um, I've lost the remote for my television and I don't know what to do and uh, will a universal remote help me? And uh, the answer is yes. If you buy a universal remote control, there are two ways it can it can learn from your older devices. So if you've set it up, a lot of them like the Logitechs and, and these these more expensive brands, you connect it to your computer and that then connects to an online database. So if you hit, you click TV, it'll ask you for the make, the model number, and then automatically put in the codes through the cable that's connected to the computer and to the remote into the device. So uh, you can go through then and set set controls for your television, your, your Blu-ray disc player, your set-top box, your other other devices in your home, whether it's a music device, whether it's a, a, a video device, a set-top box, as I said. So rather than having four or five different remote controls, you can then have one. Now, the other way it learns it is if you've got your original remote control 
and you can actually aim the remote control. When it's in, a lot of the more expensive remote controls have what they call learning mode. So you can replicate the functionality of your remote into the universal remote if the codes don't happen to exist in the company's database. You can uh, teach the universal remote the commands using the IR signal from the original remote. So that's, that's learning mode uh, that helps you set the various functionality. So it, it is handy when you do when you have several remote controls on your on your desk on your on your coffee table. You can replace all of them with just one. And and pricing for universal remotes uh, are, are surprisingly affordable. There there there's some many models under a hundred bucks. But if you want to spend a bit more and have a remote control that is uh, has its own charger, has a digital touch screen, then you can spend a little bit more. The Logitech Harmony remotes we quite like, uh, the, uh, the, the, those sorts of remotes that have a lot more control. You can even set macros, and, and so by that I mean different settings so that if you hit the play movie button, for example, on the universal remote control, you can tell it that when you hit the play movie button, you need to turn on the TV, switch it to input one, turn on your Blu-ray player, and and, and eject the, uh, the the tray on the player. So in one press, you've got all those things happening at the same time, and you can do the same thing for other functions. So whether you want to play a game, whether you want to watch uh, movies, whatever you want to do, and if you've got a lot of, a lot of other stuff connected to your home, like you might have uh, blinds, electric blinds, you, you can even program those to join in the party, and when you hit play, the blinds will fall down so the room's darker. There are plenty of options for you to do that as well. But universal remotes are a very handy product to have. Helps reduce that clutter on the coffee table. I've reviewed plenty of them at techguide.com.au. And that's our show for this week. You can read about everything we've talked about at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch, you can reach out to us at info at techguide.com.au or tweet me at Stephen Fennec, and that's Stephen spelled with a PH. I'd love to hear from you, and I will reply. Uh, a special thanks, too, to our sponsors, uh, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also a shout-out to Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. It's been a pleasure having you with us once again, and we look forward to you joining us again next week. But until then, stay safe and stay connected. <laughs>